Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew preaches a special Christmas sermon from the Gospel of Matthew, entitled, Do You Want to Be Rich? Preached December 25th, Christmas Day, 2016. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. What is Christmas, Christmas points to Jesus Christ, his person and his work of salvation. When you understand what Christmas is, and when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved and made rich in spiritual things. I plead with you, humble yourselves, surrender yourselves, and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved and saved forever. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Eternal security belongs to God's people. Our Heavenly Father sent His eternal Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into this sinful world, wrapped in sinless human flesh to save his elect poor sinners by his atoning death on the cross that we may by faith in Jesus the only savior of the whole world be justified adopted as children of God to enjoy fellowship with God in eternal happiness this Jesus The very rich son of God in his incarnation became very poor. So that we may become spiritually very rich in him. That's what I am. That's what you are. Very rich in things that matter. Saints, we are rich not in silver or gold but in salvation in eternal life. Which only Jesus can give. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. This Jesus himself. Is our heavenly father's. Indescribable gift. Have you unpacked the gift? Have you put your trust in this Christ? Have you received Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Are you rich in Jesus? I'm not interested in your money. I'm not interested in your degrees. I want to know whether you have trusted in Jesus Christ alone. For we read in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. What's the purpose? So that You through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his unspeakable, indescribable gift. Revelation 2.8 and 9 To the angel of the church in Smyrna write These are the words of him who is the first and the last. Who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Revelation 3, 17 and 18. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. That's what most people in this country say. I have no need of anything. I have money. 403B and 403. 1K and whatever else. I am going to retire with all the money I can get. I say you are a fool. But you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So you can become rich and white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And listen to the counsel Christ gave to the rich people. 
Luke 12, 19 through 21, and I'll say to myself, says the rich man, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. God is calling most people in this country, fool. You fool. You fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. What is Christmas? Read the Bible. Or listen to me as I preach from the Bible. I do not believe in the so-called spirit of Christmas. Santa Claus. Jingle bells. I believe in the birth of Jesus Christ. God's eternal son in Bethlehem. As foretold by the Lord through his holy prophets. I believe in Jesus Christ, one divine person in two natures, divine nature and sinless human nature. He's the only savior of the world who made atonement for our sins. Everyone who believes in him will be saved. The gift the heavenly father has given us is the unspeakable gift of the Savior Jesus, the eternal Son of God. The question is, have you received him, trusted in him? And additionally, have you proclaimed him to your children that they may also believe in him? This Savior Jesus Christ was begotten of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary as the Lord had promised over 700 years earlier through the prophet Isaiah. During this season, the true church celebrates the birth of this virgin-born child, the mighty God, the son of David, the everlasting king, the shoot out of the stump of Jesse. As well as the root of Jesse, the liberator of burdens and the savior of the world. First, the gospel introductions. How do the gospels introduce this Jesus to us? In their narrative, Matthew and Luke call him the virgin born savior, the Lord Christ Jesus, the Holy One. The son of the most high, the son of God, Emmanuel. Mark does not give us an account of his birth as Matthew and Luke do. But he does introduce him as Jesus Christ, the son of God. What about John? In his prologue, in the first chapter, John introduces Jesus Christ to us. First saying, in the beginning was the word. Dr. J.I. Packer tells us in his book, Knowing God, that in this verse, we are told of the eternity of the Lord Jesus Christ. When other things began, he was existing. Jesus Christ, in other words, is eternal. Verse 1 continues, and the word was with God. That speaks of his personality. This word is a personal being. An eternal personality. Distinct from the Father, yet eternally in fellowship with God the Father. Then John says, and the word was God. That speaks about the deity of this word. He is God, yet he is personally distinct from the Father. In verse 3 we read, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. John is telling us the word is the creator of all things. Visible and invisible, he created all, yet was not part of creation. 
then we are told in him was life by this John tells us the origin of all life must be seen in Jesus Christ additionally it tells us the cause of the continuation of this life must also be seen in this word who is God Jesus Christ verse 4 says in him was life and that life was the light of men not only is Jesus the author of all life but the true knowledge of God comes to us only through Jesus Christ there is no other way anyone can know God except through Jesus Christ are you outside of Christ you know nothing you have no meaning you have no purpose you live to eat and sin and die take a look at the mirror death is on your face already it's coming in verse 14 we are told the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us john understands that jesus christ is the eternal word the personal being distinct from the father god himself the creator and author of all life and the author of all revelation all revelation of god this god this creator this word became flesh the mighty god lay helplessly as a baby in a cattle feeding trough but john has no doubt who this one is in verse 14 he says we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only the only begotten who came from the father full of grace and truth and finally in verse 18 john writes no one has ever seen god but god the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known thus john introduces Jesus Christ to us God became flesh number 2 is this a crude fact some people such as the late professor william parkley a scottish scholar and many others look upon the birth of jesus christ as a crude fact they do not see any beauty in this virgin birth in his study on matthew barclay tells us that the virgin birth is a doctrine that presents us with many difficulties and our church he says he was speaking about his church does not compel us to accept it in the literal and physical sense isn't that wonderful we have come a long way the creeds all stated that virgin birth of jesus christ is an essential part of christian faith but partly says his church would not compel him or anyone else to believe the virgin birth of jesus christ in a literal physical sense although as a scholar barclay knew that the bible teaches a literal physical virgin birth thus barclay says this is one of the doctrines on which the church gives us full liberty to come to our own conclusion he and his friends are telling us we do not have to believe what the bible clearly teaches because we are living in the modern scientific age and should no longer believe in the primitive conception of miracles but to me and to this church and to millions of orthodox bible believing christians around the world the virgin birth of jesus is not a crude ugly fact to us who believe in god as the creator of the heavens and the earth believing in miracles is not at all a problem it is the mark of true intelligence divine wisdom 
Paul says we have the mind of Christ. So we glory in the virgin birth of Jesus. The second person of the Godhead. Because without the virgin birth the cross would be emptied of its power. Without the virgin birth. Jesus would be just a sinful man not able to save anyone. He himself would need a savior. If we remove the virgin birth. Then we remove the power of the cross to save us in the cross of Christ. The infinite wisdom of God is made manifest. Number three. Matthew's account. The accounts of the birth of Jesus Christ as found in the gospel. Gospels of Matthew and Luke are quite detailed. When we examine them, we notice that they are independent of each other. Yet they concur in this great doctrine of the virgin birth. First in Matthew's account, Matthew tells us that Joseph had nothing to do with the begetting of Jesus. Matthew 1.16 says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. He explains in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child. Ek pneumatos hagiu. Through the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20 we read, That the angel was commissioned to come to Joseph at night in a dream. Contrary to what Joseph had thought, the angel tells him again about the supernatural aspect of this pregnancy. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her again, ek pneumatos hagiu. Of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begat. And Mary conceived and gave birth. In verse 23. Matthew continues. All this took place. So that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled. What was that word? The virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. I agree with uh, James Orr and J. Gresham Machen and a number of others that the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 has a singular reference. This prophecy is speaking about the birth of Jesus Christ through the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus Matthew under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit who also inspired Isaiah to write his prophecy says that this took place in fulfillment of what the Lord spoke through Isaiah. Prince Jesus was born of a virgin. And in verse 25, Matthew goes out of his way to let us know that Joseph did not have any sexual relationship with Mary until this son was born. This refutes the idea of Mary's Perpetual virginity. Finally Matthew says. He Joseph gave him the name Jesus. Giving Jesus his name meant Joseph was adopting Jesus as his son. And becoming his legal father. Joseph is addressed here as the son of David. Which means that he is a prince Although Davidic dynasty had declined and was in eclipse. But now we see that out of the stump of Jesse's line came a shoot, a branch, who is Jesus. He became the legal heir to that throne through Joseph, the son of David. And through Joseph's adopting of him. Please note that both Joseph and Mary were descended from David. Number four, Luke's account of the virgin birth. 
Luke also gives us clear evidence of his belief in the virgin birth. In Luke 127 we are told Mary is called a virgin. He parthenos. Luke uses the word twice in that verse. And in Luke 134 this young girl, this virgin Mary asks how can this be since I do not know a man meaning to know a man sexually. And the angel's answer is that the Holy Spirit would come upon her. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Then Gabriel added, there is nothing impossible with God. Was Luke making all this up in his head? We must remember that he was a historian who was interested only in the truth. In Luke 1, he wrote, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Luke was not setting out to write mythology, fake news. He was a historian whose purpose was to write the things that took place among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. There is no question that the source of Matthew and Luke for this account of the virgin birth was Mary herself. Luke interviewed eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Those who saw the events he was recording. Luke also states, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, his intent was not to sit down and write a novel, creating everything out of his own head. He was a historian who personally investigated all things about Jesus Christ from the beginning, which included the virgin birth. And because of his investigations, He says to his readers, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. Why? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. The certainty of the gospel. Duke wanted his readers to know that Christianity rests upon historical facts. Indisputable. Thus Luke began his gospel account first by the narration of the supernatural birth of John the Baptist and second with the supernatural virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So we must understand this is something historical and factual. It is recorded that we may have certainty of the gospel. No virgin birth, no gospel. The church of Jesus Christ has always believed in the virgin birth as revealed by her creeds. This doctrine is essential to our salvation. So unlike William Barclay and his church, our church believes, teaches and glories in the biblical doctrine of the virgin birth of Jesus. If we deny the virgin birth, we will soon begin to deny all the miracles of the Bible. We will reduce Jesus to a mere man, albeit a nice ethical one. In fact, we may even say he is the best man ever lived. But still a man, incapable of saving anyone. What does such reductionism do? It removes the joy of Christmas by removing the Savior. Yet Bill O'Reilly, Fox News said on December 9, 2013, the Bible is not a history book. Oh, he knows all about history, sir. If you want to believe it is fine with me, he said. But it is a theological effort, by which I suppose he means mythological. In my view, he believes that Jesus was a man, the natural son of Joseph and his wife, Mary. 
A sinful man like us, a kind man, a nice man, whom they crucified, as they crucified many criminals. Now let us listen to pious scholars like J. Gresham Machen, the great New Testament scholar and founder of the famous Westminster Theological Seminary. He says, our salvation depends squarely upon history. The Bible contains that history and unless that history is true, the authority of the Bible is gone. And we who have put our trust in the Bible are without hope. Those who reject the virgin birth reject the whole supernatural view of Christ. And your pastors say, those who reject the supernatural cannot be true Christians and cannot have life of God in the soul of men. Machen also explains that a man is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel. Part of that gospel is the stupendous miracle of the virgin birth. And Professor V.B. Warfield of Princeton said, the supernatural Christ and the supernatural salvation carry with them by an inevitable consequence the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. What does God say about his word that we have in the Bible? In John 17, 17, we read, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And you read Romans 3, 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. The psalmist says, the words of the Lord are flawless like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. And he also says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That is making the simple wise. The so-called wise people of the world believe that Bible is not true. That we must demythologize it. Allah Bultman, rejecting all miracles. That we must not permit God to act in his world. And that we must believe the lie of a closed system of a chance universe. Number five. Joseph makes a decision. Luke's detailed account of the birth of Jesus Christ gives clear evidence of his belief in the virgin birth. After the angelic announcement to Mary in Nazareth, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and she conceived. Mary then went from Nazareth to Judea to visit Elizabeth to receive spiritual encouragement and enjoy fellowship with her. After three months, Mary returned to Nazareth and Joseph learned of Mary's pregnancy. Probably she said to him, I am with child by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the word of a holy angel, Gabriel. But Joseph did not believe Mary's explanation. In Jewish circles at that time, marriage consisted of first a betrothal in which the couple exchanged vows of fidelity before witnesses. From that point on, the man was known as husband and the woman as wife. This was the first phase of marriage. But before the couple lived together as as husband and wife, however, there was a period of about one year. At the end of the one year, the husband would come to his bride's father's house and ceremoniously take his bride to his home in a celebration such as we read in Matthew 25. After the marriage feast, the couple would live together as husband and wife. Mary informed Joseph that she was pregnant. Being a just man, Joseph refused to marry her. At the same time, he desired to divorce her privately. 
by writing a bill of divorcement before two witnesses and letting her go as permitted in Deuteronomy 24 verse 1. What was Mary doing during this time? Let me tell you she trusted in the Lord with regard to this huge thorny issue. In my view she probably reasoned. Nothing is impossible with God as Gabriel stated. As Gabriel stated I am pregnant with the Holy Child by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. So she concluded this problem with Joseph is God's problem. He must solve it. And he will solve it. And I must trust God. And number six is God's solution to the problem. Sure enough, God sent an angel to Joseph. I'm sure Joseph loved Mary, yet he could not go ahead with his marriage after deciding to divorce her privately he went to bed I am also sure that before Joseph went to bed he prayed he probably said oh God take care of this matter I only want to do what is right in accordance with your law the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream that night and brought a command from the Lord which we read in Matthew 1 20 and 21 the angel told Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. God wanted him to go ahead with the second part of his marriage and to bring Mary ceremoniously to his house, have a marriage feast, and begin to take care of her. Then God revealed to Joseph the truth about Mary because what is conceived in her is Ek pneumatos hagiu is of the Holy Spirit. When Joseph heard these words, the darkness was dispelled from his mind because the angel was saying that Mary was not an adulteress. She was a virgin, innocent, just, righteous, and pure. In other words, this pregnancy was God's work. Joseph did love Mary so you can imagine the great joy that filled his soul as he heard these words and Mary trusted God and he solved her problem nothing friends is impossible with God then the angel gave further instructions she will give birth to a son and you ought to give him the name Jesus in other words Joseph must protect Mary, honor her, provide for her. He must adopt this son by naming him, which was an official act. Thus Joseph would become the legal father of Jesus. As I said, Joseph was the prince, the son of David, the legal heir to the throne. Now by being named and adopted by Joseph... Jesus became the legal heir to the throne of David. He is Jesus the King, whose kingdom is everlasting. Notice how Joseph went to bed with the one decision and woke up with God's decision. How many times do we decide without facts or understanding? I tell people go and pray and often they come back and say I prayed but I do not know what they really did. Prayer means going to God and saying God show me your way, your decision. I have already decided but my decision doesn't have to be right. What is your decision? It may surprise you to discover that sometimes God's decision is the opposite of the decision you have made. Joseph accepted God's guidance and changed his previous decision to divorce Mary. He took her for his wife, protected her, provided for her and honored her. 
and when she gave birth he dutifully adopted her son and gave him the name Jesus notice the obedience of joseph he obeyed exactly immediately and joyfully number 7 the purpose of the virgin birth sir listen who is this jesus the angel told joseph you are to give him the name jesus because he will save his people from their sins i offer you jesus he will save you from their sins soon you will die today now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation the greek text tells us that he himself he alone will do it meaning there is no other savior you can believe whatever you want we have freedom in this country but there is no other savior but jesus christ Jesus alone shall save his people. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. He is the only mediator between God and man. Here then is revealed the purpose of this virgin birth. To give us a savior who is able to save his people from their sins by his atoning death save his elect people whom the father had given in eternity that he may save them let me tell you in psalm 49 we read no man can redeem the life of another or give to god a ransom for him the ra- for the ransom of a life is what sir costly no payment is enough we talk about billions and billions and billions of dollars which people in this country has and in verse 15 of psalm 49 we read but god will redeem my life god is the only savior but god will redeem my life from the grave he will surely take me to himself and in psalm 130 verse 7 and 8 we find another reference to what is reflected in matthew 1 o israel put your hope in the lord for with the lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins that's what we read in Matthew chapter 1 give him name Jesus for he and he alone will save his people from their sin how do you know who are his people if you repent and trust in him you are his people eternally chosen in Jesus Christ to be his people if you refuse it shows you are not his people in the fullness of time god through the virgin birth gave us a sinless savior who is god man able to redeem us from our sins joseph was told to name him jesus name him jesus for he alone would save his people jews and gentiles black and white rich and poor male and female from their sins jesus was a common name during the new testament times anyone could name his child jesus the name jesus is taken from the hebrew verb yasha which means to save and deliver from danger sickness and death but the problem is can any person save another from these problems and who can deliver us from the greatest problem of all our sin number 8 sir man's fundamental problem in acts 4:12 peter says there is no other savior than jesus christ he said salvation is found in no one else there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved 
what does he save his people from sins let me assure you the fundamental problem of man is not political economic social medical or educational the fundamental problem of man is his sin he is an enemy of god it is the cause of all human sufferings and all other problems in genesis 3 we see how sin came into humanity adam sin and through him we all are sinners conceived in sin born in sin practicing sin so we read in jeremiah 17 verse 9 we read that our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and in romans 3 we read that no one seeks god all have gone astray there is no fear of god in man jesus also spoke about the wickedness of human heart for he said out of the heart come evil thoughts oh we want to find problem in our environment you are the problem man your heart is the problem out of the heart comes evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander in the depths of his heart man is an enemy of god and cut off from the life of god sin has separated man from god jesus came to solve the sin problem and reconcile us to god through his death on the cross i command you to repent and believe in jesus christ because god commands people to do so he never beg he is giving us an opportunity to be saved we must recognize that jesus alone is perfect god and perfect sinless man therefore only jesus can give his life a ransom for many only jesus christ of christianity can save sinners in matthew 26 verse 28 while instituting the holy supper jesus said this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins there is no other way to save people from their sins except the sinless god man coming into the world and dying on the cross so paul says in second corinthians 5:21 god made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of god and in first corinthians 15 verse 3 paul wrote christ died for our sins the one who lay helplessly in the cattle trough in bethlehem is the almighty god become flesh he died on the cross for sinners that he may redeem his people jews and gentiles from their sins the covenant with abraham was that in his offspring all the families of the earth be blessed paul says christ loved the church and gave himself up for her therefore the elect people of god by grace will surely repent believe on the lord jesus christ and be saved jesus will save all his people number 9 the fullness of salvation what does salvation mean first it means salvation from sin from the guilt of sin the pollution of sin the power of sin the punishment of sin even from the presence of sin our problem is sin and it is dealt with totally and comprehensively by jesus christ now not only that the second we are saved to serve god to enjoy life eternal sir the purpose of salvation is that we may have fellowship with god and his son jesus christ our lord as we read in john 17 verse 3 now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent 
the virgin born Christ obeyed God fully died on the cross in behalf of our sins and gave us eternal life this is God's only way of saving sinners you don't cook up your own way of receiving salvation God looked at man and saw his problem and sent a savior his only son to solve the sin problem and to bring us back into joyful fellowship with him thus god says i know your problem it is your heart you are a rebel who is cut off from god the solution to your problem is through my son the savior king jesus through his death he will solve the sin problem and reconcile you to me that is what jesus christ did the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus praise the lord sir let me assure you any effort of self redemption by a sinner is utter foolishness and impossibility god gave us a savior from heaven Paul says Jesus is the second man from heaven and Matthew tells us he is Emmanuel God with us Jesus is God and Jesus is with us always so fear not friends he who is with us and in us is greater than the devil who is in the world in Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors number 10 receiving God's gift sir I must ask you two extremely serious questions in conclusion. First, have you received this personal gift from the Father? Second, have you given this gift to your children? How are they doing, sir? Your children, sir. How can you sleep when your children are going to hell? you gave them money you gave them house you sent them to school you paid the money you did everything these are serious matters these are serious questions why this one is emmanuel god with us jesus said truly i am with you always to the very end of the age he is our good shepherd so we lack nothing friends He is with us in life in death and beyond truly to us a child is born a son is given for our salvation and for our joy the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us professor william hendrickson says he came to dwell with the sick to heal them he came to dwell with the demon possessed to liberate them he came to dwell with the poor in spirit to bless them and i and and make them rich very rich he came to dwell with the care-ridden to rid them of care he came to dwell with lepers to cleanse them he came to dwell with the diseased to cure them He came to dwell with the hungry to feed them not only with the physical bread but with the living bread and above all he came to dwell with the lost to seek and save them He is nobiscum deus with us God in Jesus Christ and yet a greater reality awaits us at his second coming The 21st chapter of the book of Revelation tells us this nobiscum deus in fullness. Listen, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of god is with men and he will live with them yes. 
They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Because of nobiscum Deus. God is with us. The late Professor Ita Linemann of Germany gave several theological lectures here in this church in 2001. She had attended the University of Marburg, Tübingen, Göttingen. She studied under Professor Rudolf Bultmann, the father of demythologization, as well as under Ernest Fuchs, Friedrich Gogarten, Gerhard Ebeling and others. She wrote books in defense of the unbelieving historical criticism. Then Jesus saved her. So she counseled people to burn all her books written in defense of rationalism. Listen to her. My no to historical critical theology stems from my yes to my wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to the glorious redemption he accomplished for me on Golgotha. Friends, I am speaking to you eternal matters. Can you rejoice because God in Jesus Christ is with us? Or do you still refuse to believe that he is the eternal God who became perfect man, the divine person who took to himself a perfect human nature so that in it he may die on the cross for our salvation. You ask the question, why did he clothe himself with human flesh that he can die on the cross for our sins, for the wages of sin is death. Christ died for my sin. And my sins are forgiven in totality, sir. Justified, adopted into the very family of God. If you are not trusting in Jesus Christ, may God have mercy on you. May he help you to hope in nothing else and in no one else but in God's Son alone. He alone is our Savior, our Lord, the Son of the Most High, the Holy One. He alone makes us very rich in eternal salvation. I plead with you. Rejoice if you have trusted. Rejoice greatly. And if you are outside of Christ, trust in him. That you may rejoice first time in your entire life. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to trust in your son Jesus Christ. The Christmas gift you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truth of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.